newspaper men meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably. The Media Project is your half hour of commentary and analysis. It's a conversation among some veteran journalists, and uh, we hope that you get some enlightenment out of it. We try our very best. Uh, I'm Rex Smith here with Dr. Alan Shartok, Ira Fussfeld, and with Judy Patrick, and uh, we're going to talk about things. Right, uh, Alan, you're okay, right? Well, I'm okay. You know, if you think about it for a minute, when you do that introduction and you say veteran journalists, mm-hmm. that's good that you include me in uh, because, as you know, I was the publisher of the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get that over with. All right, let's all right. move on. And the Legislative Gazette, which uh, I did, uh, yeah, and did uh, all of that. So it's very nice. Right, it's Rex. called the Media Project. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank you, Rex. So, Alan, you've been around a long time. Yeah. Uh, and that's not what I started to say. You've been around politics a lot. You have seen people go back and forth in the so-called revolving door from politics to journalism journalism and back and forth. And I want to know what you think about the notion of uh, reports that uh, Jen Psaki, the press secretary of the White House, is supposedly, this is nothing confirmed, going to go to MSNBC pretty soon, and that she's apparently been negotiating with NBC about this. Well, it's very smart. If you think about what she's being paid now, as a government servant of one kind or another, what are you talking about? You know, maybe a couple of hundred thousand dollars. When now you go to uh, MSNBC and they've got to pay you probably millions. You take a look, look up what Wolf Blitzer makes and some of these other people. It's a lot of money. It's got to be extremely tempting. But I think what she really has going for her is that she has two consonants uh, starting off her name. Ah. Uh, and, uh, that sort of just, like Shartok. Yeah. No. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> there is. That. You never know, thought of that. Coincidence. Yeah. Well, well, or Smith, you know. She's, she, she's good. Um, and um, she'll be worth a lot. Uh, I think the present person who is running the MSNBC show at one point or another was a former press secretary. Um, Nicole Wallace yeah, was Nicole. a communication director for George W. Bush. Who right. just married a New York Times reporter who was a frequent guest on that show. Yeah. That's a conflict of interest if, I, if ever I heard <laughs> well, one. I don't think that's right. Well, let's go back to Jen Psaki. And I, I, look, she's, she's a great press secretary. She's a breath of fresh air after Sarah Sanders and whoever else was part of that cabal when Trump was in office. If she can get a, a job that pays her a lot of money, fine. But doesn't it strike you, why were we not similarly as favorably acknowledging the moves that, say, Kaylee McEnany made to Fox News or Sean Spicer made to wherever he wound up going? I think, I don't put words in your mouth, we all said, ah, well, of course, they all went to Fox, diminishing their achievement, quote unquote. But why are we not saying the same thing about Jen Psaki if she goes to MSNBC? Ah, what do you think, uh, Judy? Yeah. Are you? What do you uh, think? I got a lot of problems with this. So mm-hmm. last week we talked about Mick Mulvaney going to CBS. We had issues with that because of uh, his history of not telling the truth. And and but at least he had the good grace to be out of service when he was taking this job. Jen Psaki's actually still behind the podium every day giving press briefings and apparently negotiating with cable channels about her new position. I also do not like these revolving doors. Choose public service or not. 
And the other issue is, why stay in a job for just one year? Whatever happened to learning the job, sticking with a job, and staying with a president for four years? Nowadays, it seems like nobody stays in a presidential administration for longer than a year or two. What's with that? Well, I was with you until the last comment. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think you're right, and it's problematic. Uh, and, you know, there is, I, I think she shouldn't be negotiating while she's at the podium. And the NBC White House, uh, chief White House correspondent, gave her a hard time about this in the briefing room, who is going to be one of her colleagues apparently. This is not good form. You know, George Stephanopoulos has become the chief anchor for ABC News. He was communication director at the Clinton White House, but there was a long transition period there. It took him time to sort of establish some sort of journalistic credentials. That is different from this. This is an uncomfortable thing. I I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody only staying a a year in this job. Jen Psaki had given notice that she was only going to stay a short time when she became White House press secretary. And remember, she was the campaign manager for president, the guy who is now the president, Joe Biden. And so she's done her job. You can't blame somebody for leaving such a tense job. But I think you have a point, Judy, that this is really unseemly at best. When you take these jobs in public service, you can't then expect to immediately go become a commentator or even. Uh, And soon then she'll be like Nicole Wallace, who is supposedly an anchor. You know, here's the the basic problem, though. These television networks, nobody assumes anymore that there are going to be places where you get a straight story. Isn't that right? Isn't that what Fox News has begot? (laughs) Well, it depends if it's Rex Smith doing the commentary or whether it's, you know, some right wing, you know, buffoon talking about it. Thank um, you, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Why well, don't you know? <laughs> there's another press secretary from the current administration that has already made mm. that leap, Simone Sanders, who was uh-huh. Kamala mm. Harris's PR person. You know, but as long as there's this revolving door going back and forth, other reporters have got to um, speculate whether or not these press secretaries or anybody in the administration is, is favoring the reporters from another network, you know, like mm. calling on CNN more, calling MSNBC more, because they're angling for a job where they may one day want a job. I mean, if only the line was clearer and more established, I, I wouldn't worry so much about that. But you, I do think there's fa- some favoritism. You know, Judy, you make a very good point. I think that people are always, especially in the American system, always looking at potential options. You can't dismiss the idea that they want to help themselves. They want to go further. They want to make more money. Uh, And I don't see, unless my fellow panelists here do, any way out of this. I do. I think that you you try to establish a sense of propriety. Uh, You try to say this is not the right thing to do. Look, years ago, there was this huge flap uh, in Florida when the publisher of the Miami Herald flirted with the idea of running for governor. The very fact that there was talk about it made the reporters really uncomfortable to Miami Herald because it drew into question whether they could be objective. He ended up not doing it. But still, that was then... Well, maybe you're right, Alan. How do we get to this point? Well, but we... the, the government could, there's an ethics board in government, and although it seems relatively toothless during the uh, Trump years, but uh, the, they could have the equivalent of a non-compete clause that that a press secretary or, or somebody in a similar position 
signs on when we when they take the job, they know that when they leave, they can't go to work for the network. Could schmud. Um, well, you're asking for <laughs> you're asking for ideas. There's one. Well, what yeah, but have? why would what would lead them to do that? I mean, you know, in New York State right now, there's a call for a revised right. ethics committee that will um, that will look harder at ethical violations uh, on the part of people. And um, you whack yourself on the side of the head and you say. Wait a second now. How could that be? Why would why in the world would these politicians put into place a um, an ethics board which would have their way with them? Well, there already is an ethics board, and I agree with you. It's not it going stinks. to happen, but they should happen. If you if you in the name of good government, this is the sort of thing that you as a potential solution that you requested. By the way, how many times have you had Rex working for the New York Times over the years? Every time, every time, <laughs> every time Rex says something nice about the New York Times, you say, "Oh, he's." Wants to be the no, editor. what I say is the phone is ringing, Rex, oh. and it must be the New York Times that wants to talk to you about the good things you're saying. It has to be on the demand side. That is, it has to come from journalists, I think, and journalism organizations saying we're going to commit to not being a part of this sort of revolving door. But that, you know, you're right, Alan. It's not going to really happen. It's not going to happen. No. But it, it confirms the worst suspicions of the other side politically, and it just doesn't do anybody's credibility very much. But I blame Rupert Murdoch. You yeah, know, the most uh, dangerous man Rupert. in the world. I always blame Rupert Murdoch. The most dangerous. By the way, I blame Rupert Murdoch is a quote from Ted Turner. I happen to be, through odd circumstances, in the same place having brunch with Ted Turner mm-hmm. on the um, I'm morning. Impressed. Isn't that great? In the morning after Princess Diana uh, died. And he loudly was proclaiming, I blame Rupert Murdoch because uh, Princess Diana was being pursued by paparazzi, don't you see? And he said the whole phenomenon of paparazzi was Rupert Murdoch's fault. Yeah, see, there's um, one thing I wouldn't blame him because I thought that predated Murdoch was paparazzi. Yeah, but he could be blamed right. for a lot else. He could. And the president of the United States apparently said, in, according to an unnamed associate, in mid-2021, that Rupert Murdoch was, quote, the most dangerous man in the world. Uh, this comes from a book that is uh, due to be published next month, uh, written by New York Times reporters Jonathan Martin and Alexander Burns. They're saying that uh, the president said this in the context of um, a torrent of anti-Biden programming stoking skepticism about vaccines and disseminating wild conspiracy theories about the January 6th attack. Now, of course, this was I'm sure the president would uh, regret having said that for a number of reasons in in no small part, because now we consider uh, Vladimir Putin the most awful man in the world. But who says that Putin didn't get his cue from Fox News also? Just uh, do 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 whatever you want to do, and then deny that you did it. Sounds familiar. That's part of the Fox playbook. Well, I don't know whether Rupert Murdoch is the most dangerous man in the world, but I would rate him in the top five. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. The President Biden is cognizant of the fact that misinformation is such a potent problem in our society. Although I do not think the administration is working that hard to correct misinformation oftentimes, especially like given the coronavirus. How often have they really stepped up and done a really good job of communicating or attacking bad information, even though they pledged to do so? I just hmm. no, following, following up on that very good remark, uh, Judy, I think when I watch what's going on in the world, it's all Ukraine all the time. And there's very little about things like state politics. I wonder. I keep wondering how Kathy Hochul, 
the, the new governor of New York feels in the old days if if Andrew Cuomo sneezed he got he got coverage um, I think what's happened is that that Ukraine has completely taken over all of our consciousness about about news but doesn't Fox News bear responsibility for the uh, let's say the Putin wing of the Republican Party uh, you know, there were 60 members of the House of Representatives who voted against a resolution supporting NATO, um, all Republicans. And these are people who are now saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't be standing up. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. I, They're and, reading the polls. That's why. Aha. Uh-huh. They are saying, boy, this is unpopular. When we had Trump, who was best friends, let's just say, with Putin, this was a terrible burden for him to be holding because when you when you look at what ended up happening all of those republicans who followed trump under every circumstance now looked at the polls and said we got to get out of here wait a minute what what is unpopular a a pro-putin stance in the united states but nevertheless 63 republicans voted not to support nato yeah and so the, how do you explain that? That's the well, the the playing to the uh, the conservative base, playing to the radical base of the Republican Party in primaries. I would say, which, absolutely, which is getting its information from, from the, Fox News. From we, this is all Murdoch. goes back to yeah. Murdoch, you know, and to to allowing uh, the ilk of Tucker Carlson, who remember was before being pro Putin got unpopular. Say nothing of Trump himself. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, he said of Putin. So. I don't know. I, I mean, I think Judy is scowling. Is you got something. <laughs> I'm, trying to rem- I'm trying to figure out how old Rupert Murdoch must be by he's now. 90. It's like 120. No, he's 90. No, 90. His, <laughs> Only the good his, die his young. His network. He doesn't specifically tell Tucker Carlson what to say, I imagine, but he encourages him. He pushes him along that line. And even though he continues uh, to employ him, he mm-hmm. continues to employ him. And Tucker is not taking back a lot of anything that he said. I think that even though the vast majority of Americans support Ukraine in their efforts, there is that segment that follows Tucker that, you know, suspects it and still and, and even Trump is not encouraging, you know, strong support for Ukraine and Zelensky. There's always these hidden motives. You know, some years ago, if not sooner than that, we've had discussions on this program speculating as to what would happen when Rupert bowed out and his sons took over. And as as I understand it now, the son, Lachlan Murdoch, pretty much runs the network now. So, A, there's our answer, and B, uh, Rupert... Well, what's may, the question, if that's the answer? The, it points to the fact that Rupert may not be in charge on a day-to-day basis, and what we would describe as the ignomies of the uh, Fox company are still going on with the son now in charge. I think we all hoped that when Rupert faded from the scene, Fox would have would reveal itself to be something different, and that's not been the case. I never thought that was going to happen. Well, it depended on which son rose. Uh, yeah, you know, that's right. And the other one, I'm not sure what he's doing. James uh, is a little sideline. You know, it's uh, I mean, just all you have to do is watch Succession. Yeah. Succession. Yeah. <laughs> Great show. So he's cashing the checks. Yeah, absolutely. This is the Media Project from Northeast Public Radio. If you're just joining us and you don't know who these voices are, that was uh, Judy Patrick. Uh, that would be the female voice on the show. The one next to her is Ira Fussfeld. The one that you have trouble deciphering is Alan Shartok. Uh, he's the CEO of Northeast Public Radio. Very sweet, very and sweet. Agree. And thank you for being on this week on your last appearance. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Rex Smith. Happy to be here with you for 25 years and counting. You know, is, is this true? Isn't that something? It's yeah. about that because I think I've been on a little longer than that, wow. but not as frequently. <clears throat> it's amazing. Yeah, this this program, of course, began with 
uh, Alan and the late Gary Fryer, who worked for, uh, speaking of moving uh, the revolving door from uh, government to media, he was Mario Cuomo's esteemed press secretary, and then came here to provide some commentary on the media. But that's a specific assignment. Uh, You know, nobody was pretending that either Gary Fryer or Alan Shartok would be without opinions. You are specifically designated as opinionated host. Me? I, I can't tell you how much I resent that. Being opinionated. <laughs> now, uh, now let's, let's stir it up a little bit. Was Gary still the P, uh, working for Cuomo when he was on the air here with you? No. The program began during the uh, Pataki administration. Okay. And uh, some of us came on uh, not too long after that, you know. But anyway, we're, we're grateful to be well, here. Well, I have to say, in my own defense, I thought this up for a reason, this <laughs> uh-huh. program. Uh-huh. And the reason I thought it up is that uh, there was just entirely too much condescension coming from, you know, your newspaper and others. And I said, we've got to have our own dibs in here, you know. And, and we got to be it, condescending it, on our own. And, and if this happens, Happens, we have to fight back. So you've been at it for 25 years. How much success have you had? No, none whatsoever. <laughs> He's driven Rex and I and you out of the business. That's right. <laughs> Look at that. I had brown hair when I knew this guy. You may remember the 2,000-year-old man in the last. And the last thing on the 2,000-year-old man is the 2,000-year-old man says, well, this is the 2,000-year-old man. And I have to tell you, I'm here and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, to the serious stuff uh, back at hand here, I I think that there is not a very long line between the kind of biased coverage, let's even say untruthful coverage, that is characteristic of Fox News. It is not just bias. There is uh, such a distortion of news priorities as to make it untrue. It is not so distant from that to the kind of uh, wholesale Orwellian media coverage that we are seeing in Russia these days and the reports of what is what the people in uh, Russia's government controlled TV channels are seeing and that's all they have are government controlled channels are quite stunning uh, the notion that the villages in Ukraine are being destroyed by nationalists uh, fascists uh, that it is the Ukrainians themselves who are the offenders it is tragic of course and the result is that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is supposedly even more popular among uh, his citizens than uh, he was before this attack, notwithstanding the thousands of soldiers who have died, though they are covering that up as well. And notwithstanding the fact that on at least one governmental-inspired news program, somebody walked up behind the, the, the person who was doing the news, the woman who was doing the news, and said they're lying in a big, holding a big piece of uh, cardboard or whatever. Uh, so there must be some resistance, but I, I fear you're right, Rex. Well, and, and look how long right. it took. <laughs> he always hates it when I'm right. Uh, look how long it took opposition to the Vietnam War to make a difference in America's involvement there. And that was at a time of a thriving media ecosystem here. Look sure. how long it took in Russia for the Afghanistan incursion that they waged uh, to become unpopular enough that Gorbachev had to pull back. So I think it's a good calculation uh, by Putin that the media will not get enough uh, leverage, that the uh, opposition will not get enough leverage to make a difference until he has taken over Ukraine. I don't know whether you've spoken about this yet, but there was a fascinating uh, test made by a neutral uh, source, and they took people who were Fox News viewers regularly, and they had them watch CNN, if not CNN and others, 
and their views on a number of different subjects from which they had gotten their opinions shaped by Fox changed. And my point again is there's a hypnosis quality to Fox News or any channel if that's all you watch all the time. But using Fox News as the example, if they're going to put disinformation up on program after program after program and you're watching nothing else but Fox News, who could blame you if you believe what they they tell you? You don't know any differently until you're finally exposed, and most of them don't get exposed. The press has been doing a good job of, of verifying information they're getting from the Ukraine military or from U.S. military sources about what's happening on the ground in Ukraine, You know, and they'll tell you what they're doing. But at some point, I've gotten, I think, a little bit of both sides-ism. You, you'll have them talk about the, you know, the massacre in Busha or the bombing of a a theater where hundreds of of children and women and elderly people were were held and then they include the denial from the Russian government that you know Ukrainians did it to themselves i almost got to the point where you know it's almost it's humorous to listen to the denials but why should we even bother with the denials i know that i understand on a gut level that that's important but it almost seems like both sides is at this point i don't know you had a president of the united states judy who uh, was a pal of putin's and and that, it seems to me, counted for a great deal of the way in which the press covered all of this. I don't think I agree with you because I think what's happened here is that the press is just uh, saying to itself, in some ways, what's allowable and what's not. Uh, you, you may take great exception to that, but I think it may be so. It's kind of a journalistic device, isn't it? You know, that uh, you put this overwhelming block of information that is clearly true, and then you have uh, so and so denied. Right. <laughs> and you've sort well, of. Does the name Baghdad Bob ring a bell? I mean, it, this is predates Fox, it predates the Russia campaign. The war in Iraq starts, and then this guy, spokesman for Saddam Hussein, gets up every day saying completely nothing happened. What you knew happened, nothing happened. Mm. But it was duly reported. He was on the air. It became a joke, which was why the name Baghdad Bob came from. But I, I'm not sure if you're suggesting that the denials by Russia should or should not be covered. You're saying they shouldn't. I've listened to them because I think it's important to get both sides, but they're so outrageous that it, it seems ridiculous to even include them. Because we all see the bombings going on, and we all see the places, hospitals being attacked, so it's very hard to take it seriously. Exactly. And, you know, we all, we're all pinning our hopes on the fact that once dead Russian soldiers come home, that that news will get covered and it will create a groundswell in which people will, you know, rise up or try to put an end to it. But what I've heard from Russian journalists who are not in the country anymore, but what they say is the soldiers come from small towns scattered throughout Russia, and the news is scattered. They they learn from Afghanistan not to send a lot of soldiers from who live in cities. They send the soldiers from the outskirts, and so you get the mm. dispersal of that information, so you're not going to get the groundswell in the news. And as we know from this country, given the news deserts that have developed because of the uh, disappearance of small newspapers covering the communities, there isn't much news. Russia is indeed a news desert, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> Far worse than rural America. Uh, but we know we have this problem, which, by the way, is one of the interesting issues that is, has developed around the country is a lot of these little newspapers out in the countryside are kept alive literally, by legal advertising, by the requirement that uh, governments have to put notices in the paper mm. about the letting of contracts and that sort sure. of thing. Um, and this is 
challenged in Florida. Suddenly, there is legislation that has removed legal notices from uh, most newspapers, and that literally could kill some number of smaller newspapers uh, in Florida. As a, as a former publisher, Ira, as a publisher emeritus of the Daily Freeman in Kingston and affiliated publications, you would be concerned about this. If you uh, well, uh, legal notices. I've been on a soapbox about legal notices for years, but I, I think my conclusion as to where I am right now will surprise you. Legal notices have historically been uh, given out by local governments to publish material that by law needs to be published. And it, it has gone to newspapers traditionally because newspapers had the widest circulation and they were the best place for these messages to get out. But they have become politicized in many markets over the years. If one political party doesn't like the local newspaper, it could move their legal notices somewhere else. As it did in Albany. Any number of places. And uh, to Rex's point, its cost can be thousands of dollars. It seem, seems to me $50,000 in in my case at one time for Ulster County tax notices. So it's not a small number. Now, where we are today makes me wonder whether I could make a good argument that newspapers should get these legal notices anymore because our circulation is down. And so that the if the point of the legal notices is to be seen by the widest mm. number possible— well, that's more. It's, it it is between the print and online edition, but in today's world, the government can print its own stuff online and then not have to pay anything. The situation in New York State, the New York News Publishers Association, has created a web page, and that's what was going on in Florida. There is a an outfit called Column. That's the the name of the company, actually, run by a, a man who's uh, from a legacy of an old newspaper uh, company, uh, the Manhattan Mercury in Kansas. Uh, that is the way that it's been done in Florida, and that's actually what the legislature is now taking away, any public notice. Uh, and so I think what's going to happen is that you'll end up with a website controlled by the state government, but who's going to trust that, and that they're actually putting it? anything out there? Well, if you're looking, if you're a contractor, you would look for it, right? You would search for There's cement contracts. The legal notices are great reading material. They're also great, <laughs> no, they're, they're great sources for editors yes. who scour the legal notices for story uh, ideas. Um, but I, I, if you're telling me that they're talking about banning the publication totally, I'm clearly not in favor of that. If you're telling me they don't want to go to newspapers anymore because co- nobody reads them anymore, well, they've got a they've got a better argument than they once did. So you believe, or uh, just a fast interjection, that people are not reading newspapers anymore? Not in the same numbers. Well, not although in paper. If, if you mm-hmm. right, if you combine print and digital, more people are reading them than ever. Okay, yeah. I just wanted that on the record. No, we've all agreed to that. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. You have to look at how many copies of print are in print. Not yeah. many. Well, how many did your old newspaper print? Yes. Well, the Times when Union used to have one hundred sixty thousand, and uh, now they have. I don't know. I would ju- most know. newspapers are about a third of what most they used to be. Most of about a third of what yeah. they used to be. Yeah. Wow. yeah so. and, but legal notices also, it's not just a matter of printing or posting the, the notice. You have to, there's a process. You have to supply an affidavit because mm-hmm. these are legal instruments right. that people have to prove that they've actually published the foreclosure notice. And uh, so there, there's a process that is not easy to establish and, and get running smoothly. So um, I think newspapers are valuable in that respect. The counties or states or towns think that they can do it themselves. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure whether what kind of traffic they'll Ooh. get. I wouldn't trust Who is David? All right. Who's so David? affidavit. Oh. Aff- uh-huh. All right. On that moment of oh, humor. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Dr. Alan Shartok, the only PhD in the room, uh, with Thank Ira God. Fussfeld and Judy Patrick, and I'm Rex Smith. Thank you for joining us this week on the Media Chat.